Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. So hello, everyone. This is Cam, and you're listening to the Hand in Hand Show, a part of Stroke Focus. And today we're with Duncan Salloway, and he suffered a TBI just from slipping while cleaning his driveway of the snow. The driveway was slick from an earlier freezing rain and then, of course, snow on top of it. And there was a slope to it, so standing was like next to impossible. And so one minute he was shoveling away, and all of a sudden his feet were not there, and he landed on his head. You know, he shook it off and finished his job and went to dinner. And five years later, it was noticed that he could not walk in a straight line, and he was shuffling his feet a lot. And he was experiencing all kinds of pains. So they did an MRI and found out he had hydrocephalus, or, as you may know, water on the brain. So Duncan initially thought after the surgery he would be okay. And all that happened in 2008 when he was a young 48, raising a family in a small town. It was told to him that it would be in his best interest if he retired as his symptoms were getting worse. Duncan had plans to fly to a wedding in Vegas, and he was then told that he needed to retire and not fly. Should he take that flight, he might risk his life due to the change in air pressure. So Duncan has had over 30 brain surgeries, which have saved his life, but left him with many challenges. And his last surgery was about two and a half years ago. So he slowly adjusted to his new life, and he though he deals with constant headaches. So hello, Duncan, and welcome. Hi. Hi. So I think I kind of covered what happened, but did we miss anything? Well, it took quite a while to get the MRI. It's it's not something here in Canada that you can just go to your doctor and say, I want an MRI done. You have to have pretty good reason. And I was <laughs> seeing a physiotherapist, and she was the one that suggested it to me that I have the MRI done. And I said, well, you're going to have to write a letter to the doctor, which she did. And right after that, I had the MRI done. And okay. So I guess it's it's not like it is here where we just go to the doctor. He says, do an MRI, and, and they just do it. You kind of have to have more of a – well, I mean, we have to have medical reasons to do it also. But it sounds like it's a little bit different than it is here. Yeah, they want good justification for it, uh, trying to cut down on the costs of the overall healthcare system, hey? Okay. So in the five years between the time you fell and, and the time all of your your worst symptoms, did you notice anything else in that time? I was having a lot of issues with various problems, whether it be my arms being very sore or the odd headache that just didn't seem to be right, and my walking, mm-hmm. it, it made it hard for me to work. I didn't really know what was going on, what was wrong. Mm-hmm. So it was good to find out finally, but yeah. 
it was kind of scary too. Absolutely. So I guess these symptoms really, they weren't huge symptoms of anything that you really thought there was a big problem. They were just maybe things here and there over the years, and then it got worse. Yeah, it gradually got worse. And if it hadn't have been for somebody noticing my walking, I, I would have been going on the way I had until that plane ride, and probably which would have killed me. Right. Oh. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. That, so what kind of therapy and different things have you done since your surgeries and since the, I guess, even before the surgeries? Uh, well, I've tried physiotherapy to try and get me walking back, my walking back to normal. I tried that earlier on after my first couple of surgeries. Uh, but what I found is if I had extreme headaches like I normally do, uh, I'd have to cancel. Mm-hmm. And once you've canceled twice, they just say bye-bye, and they don't want to deal with you anymore. Okay. So then I was left on my own to try and figure out how I'm going to correct everything. Okay. So with all the operations, how have you coped with that? Because, number one, I know for me it's hard being in the hospital, number one. Number two, your surgery was brain surgery. And yeah, there wasn't actually 30 brain surgeries. There was numerous brain surgeries. I can't remember how many. My wife can't remember how many. And the doctor won't tell us. Brain surgeries, there's also procedures that go with that. There's uh, shunt studies. There's uh, intracranial pressure tests. And each one of those is evasive, where it's right. going into your brain which can be considered a brain surgery. It's not a full blood where you're going under the knife. Right. uh, But it's still surgery. So all in all, I would say I've had probably eight full-blown surgeries where I've had to go under the knife and go through recovery and everything like that. But all the other ones are pretty traumatic as well for you. I mean, they're still cutting you open and doing something to you. Right. So how do you cope with this? I didn't really have that big a problem other than I was falling a lot. Uh, It's everybody else had a problem with me because I wasn't the same person anymore. Me, I just went about my life day to day. I didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. So what do you do with your day? Do you have like a regimen that you follow, or are you able to work at all, or no? I can't work at all. Because of the headaches, I can't say whether I'm going to be okay five minutes from now or what I'm going to be like tomorrow. I have dogs that I look after, Mm -hmm. and I try and keep them on a schedule. Like, they've got to have their breakfast at a certain time. They've got to have their apple at lunchtime. They've got to have their dinner at a certain time. And I've got to play with them. I've got to let them out. I've got to. So there's a lot of things that you got to do with dogs to keep them happy. Well, true. And actually, animals are therapeutic, too, for us, yes. for people. Yes, yeah. How does your family cope with this? Uh, they've come to accept the fact that I'm not going to be there all the time. For me, I can't handle sometimes noise or too much chaos around me. Oh, that's a big thing. 
Okay. The noise, the noise from the children and the grandchildren. I can't go to movies anymore because of the loudness. I can't go to a concert anymore. I can't go out to a nightclub or a bar because the noise. It's just never-ending. Kids' birthday parties, you know, little things. Christmas dinners sometimes. Yeah. You, you go and you sh- suffer through it sometimes. but I do that with my family also. I don't really do Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff unless I know who's going to be there. So if I know that there's fewer kids there or whatever, I might go because all that noise and jumping around and, and stuff is disruptive to the brain. Yes, very you much know? so. So... Yeah, there's stuff that I've had to adjust to, so I totally get that, and I'm sure many of our listeners will, too. Most of the time, I'm great at home because I've I've got my two places where I can go and get away from it. Right. You know, I'll come back in and stick my head in and see what the conversation is. Right. I'll go out to my garage or uh, go lay down. Yeah. But I've got those places here where if I go out, I don't have those places. Exactly. I've had to leave places if we've gone out. So even to sit in the car to decompress, I guess. Yeah, um, I've, I've had yeah. to sit in the car many times. But do you think you're adjusting well to all of this? You're kind of figuring it out and and uh, moving forward with your situation? Yeah, it's probably more every year I get better at it, but Still, not being able to go to work is really hard. I, I still consider myself a young man. I know I'm 58, but I still feel like a young man. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, because I'm 58 too, so I, I totally get it. You want to be doing more, yeah. but yet your body's saying, or or the conditions are saying, ah, you're not going there. Yeah. You know, and and you have to be flexible enough. Unfortunately, you know, we do to work with that. When you're up all night in pain. <laughs> yeah. And you think about it. No, I, I, I really couldn't go to work because I've been up all night and I didn't get any sleep, you know. Right. That happens most nights. So. Yeah. I, um, I don't have that, but I know many people do. And I can't imagine the migraines or the headaches or the being up all night, the pain. I can't think of a word, but horrible to have to deal with it because not only are you using losing sleep, but it could be family members too because you know you're up wandering around and they yeah. want to. My wife and I have had to split bedrooms. Longer sleep in the same room anymore because of it. Okay, that's pretty hard. Absolutely, you know that's not fun. So, what do you think? There are things that you want others to know or things that people should know about TBI? It can happen in a second. Yes. Your whole life can change. I. I you may be standing on top of the world, mm-hmm. enjoying life, and then the next second you could be on your back in a hospital room. You know, and that's something a lot of people don't understand until these things happen to them. I mean, I work in a hospital, and I worked in a hospital before my stroke, but that one day, that one hour, that one minute, your whole life changes. 
Yeah. And you have to learn to adjust. You have to learn to move forward. You have to grieve the person that you were and embrace the new person. Or at least that's my feeling on the whole thing. Um, and it kind of sounds like even though you didn't quite voice that uh, same sentiment to me, I think that's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm trying to move ahead. And on the good days, I, I try yeah. and get there. That's it. You know, there are good days and there are bad days. And then there, are, you know, is everything in between. And on the good days you do, you try to do a little bit more than you normally would. Sometimes it works and, and, you know, sometimes you're back to feeling bad again, unfortunately. But so what else can you tell us about how this has affected you or your family or even friends? No, I don't have a lot of friends because we've left where I was, where we grew up, and uh, we moved out to a small town. Okay. Uh, but the fa- we've got a large family. They just come to realize that I'm not going to be there all the time for them. They like they would like me to be there, but they right. realize now that I I, want, I can't be. Right. So how did they? How did you? Did you have to educate them to all of this, or did they? ask questions or did you just say I can't do this anymore how did they how did you all work with this how did they figure it out uh well I post a lot of stuff on on Facebook about hydrocephalus and TBI uh I hope that they read some of it I hope they they understand that what I'm going through yeah, I I think it's difficult for people to understand unless they've gone through it or unless uh, they're living closely with it. I think it takes a little longer for the what do you what would you say the outer members of the family to kind of get it. Um, I yeah. think those closer to you, like your wife or your kids, get it a lot sooner. Yeah. So I know with me, I I was a single parent, and I had a teenage daughter, and it's funny because she never did get it. You know, she just thought I was being lazy, being tired, but it's funny. She's decided to go into nursing, and so she works at a rehab hospital, and funny thing, she works on the stroke floor. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) And so finally, you know, over the last uh, couple of years that she's been there, She's finally kind of gotten it. And I think part of it was she was a teenager at the time, but um, working with other stroke patients with brain injuries, she finally has gotten the, oh, mom wasn't, you know, faking it. Mom wasn't just tired. Mom wasn't just not able to comprehend, you know, what I was telling her, whatever it was. And also over the years, I've learned to compensate for different things that uh, my brain can't do I figured out different ways so that a lot of people don't even know that I have a brain injury anymore so but yeah getting her to understand what was going on was was hard 10 years later what have you learned over the years very careful about how I walk around I don't want to fall again I mean I know that's that's always, especially, you know, if it's icy or snowy and you can't see under the, you know, snow and stuff, it's always a fear. 
but I also found too for me as I got older, I, I'm kind of terrified of falling, but I'm guessing yours goes deeper than even what I have because of all the, the things that you've been through. Yeah. Uh, and hydrocephalus, it, it's, you don't need to fall to have it. Right. It, it can happen to me just tomorrow. Yeah. One of my tubes will plug up or the shunt will stop working or you never know when your next surgery is going to be. Right. So, so how do you tell when this happens? You start getting, well, there's numerous ways. Uh, you can, your headaches can get way worse, like a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can start vomiting. You can, can't stand up properly. You can't stay awake. Uh, there's there's lots of different things. Okay. So you've probably learned then over the years what your symptoms will be so that you can get to the hospital and get it fixed again, unfortunately. Maybe yeah. For someone who's had a fall and, and hit their head, is there any advice that you would want to impart on that even? Uh, get it checked out. Okay. Try and get it checked out. Yeah. All right. Uh, watch and make notes. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you don't write it down that you had that fall, you may not know. Well, okay. So that brings up a huge point here. So when you started having more problems or people really were noticing, you know, how you were walking or whatever other symptoms they had, did you remember that you had fallen previously? I remembered. Okay. Uh, because I used to do a lot of skiing, I used to do a lot of sports and stuff. So I had to think back, of when did, when did this happen? Because mm-hmm. I had no idea when it might have happened. Okay. And, said, and then I finally thought, okay, there was that time where I slipped on the ice and hit my head. That's got to be the time where I got it, because all the other times were I was fine. So, because I mean, I know that they they ask me if I've fallen or whatever. I can't remember what sometimes what happened yesterday, much less for me uh, several years ago. So yeah. that you know that writing it down is is probably a, a really big plus for people to write these things down. Keep a, you're right. Keep a journal and a medical journal type thing, you know. You know, if you're diabetic that, you know, you've been out of whack for a couple of weeks or, you know, that you were having. Hopefully, if you're having heart palpitations or the migraines, you're going to the ER also. But, yeah. So do you have anything else that you'd like for listeners to know about this condition or about what's happened to you or your family over the last few years? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to Duncan. I want to thank him for being here with us. And thank you all for listening to the Hand in Hand show, again, which is part of Stroke Focus. And uh, we'll see you on the radio next time. Good night. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. 
At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. Do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at HTTPS colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.